We will now have our first message today by Mr. Sean Witt, entitled, God Will See Us Through. Good afternoon, everyone. Okay, so, well, we definitely live in a crazy time right now. It's been a crazy week. Just yesterday, the president declared... Our country is in a state of emergency. We are under a travel ban. Most international flights to the U.S. have been halted for the next 30 days. The stock market had its biggest crash, biggest fall, this past week <clears throat> since October 1997, which is called a Black Monday. We've had a few of those in the past. You can recall the Great Depression, of course, and the one back in 97, and uh, I believe there's one prior to that one as well. Even Disneyland is closed. Disneyland, Disney World, happiest places on earth are closed until further notice. <laughs> As we know, the coronavirus is wrecking havoc on the world's economy. And whether it is blown out of proportion or real, the threat is causing a lot of fear and anxiety. Has any of you had any trouble getting toilet paper or disinfectant wipes? <laughs> Kim went out yesterday and couldn't find any toilet paper anywhere, and I happened to go to uh, Warehouse Market where they had their shelves totally stocked, but they were out of disinfectant wipes. So it's kind of like when Travis Meyer says a storm is coming, you know, he's the greatest milk and bread salesman, so <laughs> a lot of toilet paper and such was flying off the shelves. I'd called Costco, and they're totally out of toilet paper until further notice. Uh, without bias, I just want to read um, an article from the Washington Post from this past Monday. And I don't have the author's uh, name, but this is just from the Washington Post. Please stop the coronavirus hysteria now. Just over a year ago, long before the term coronavirus had entered our collective vocabularies, the CDC reported that in just a few short weeks, of the 2018 and 19 winter season that the flu had sickened between six million and seven million Americans. About half of those had gone to the doctor for help. Somewhere between 69,000 and 84 had been hospitalized. The good news the CDC announced was that it wasn't nearly as severe as a year it wasn't nearly as severe as a year before. The previous year, <clears throat> 2018, the CDC reported 49 million Americans had been sickened by the flu, 9,600,000 were hospitalized, and over 80,000 ended up dead from the flu. You read it right. In 2018, over 80,000 people died from the flu in the United States. Most of the victims were geriatric, many with compromised immune systems. There were a handful of pediatric deaths, most with immune systems, not yet fully developed, all tragic deaths though, all flu-related. Fast forward to 2020, and we find our world is in utter panic due to the somewhat called, something called the coronavirus. Uh, Monday morning, the New York Stock Exchange traded, halted trading when the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped by nearly 1,900 points, 7% in the first 15 minutes of trading. Coronavirus-induced panic. The organizers of South by Southwest, which draws hundreds of thousands of visitors 
and some of Hollywood music, biggest stars to Austin, Texas, at this time each year announced last Friday that they were going to cancel the Arts and Technology Festival, saying they're devastated but recognize it's necessary to prevent a serious threat of um, contagion. This recognition came despite the fact Austin Public Health had halted, had stated, excuse me, recently as Wednesday that there's no evidence that closing the SXSW, excuse me, SXSW or any other gatherings would make the community safer. No evidence that closing gatherings, gatherings makes anyone safer, and yet panic is setting in everywhere. The National College Players Association has asked the National Collegiate Authority to consider having its men's and women's basketball tournaments with no crowds in the arenas due to coronavirus fears. Uh, no crowds during the Sweet 16 games uh, may be a new definition of March Madness. And I added that as of this past Thursday, they actually did cancel March Madness completely. Uh, the same reactionary hysteria is taking place all over the globe. Uh, Saudi Arabia took the rare step of suspending religious pilgrimage trips to Mecca. Italian Prime Minister has ordered the lockdown of the country's northern region of Lombardy and 14 nearby provinces in an attempt to halt the spread of the coronavirus. A dozen passengers on a cruise line tested positive and more than 2,300 other passengers and a crew of a nearly 1,100 were held hostage for days. Even upon release from the vessel, all will be quarantined for 14 days at various military facilities. There are threats to close down public schools all across the United States. The mayor of a Japanese town scheduled to host the 2020 Olympics coming this summer has suggested perhaps that the Olympics should be canceled as well. You know, everybody feels afraid at some point. And these are serious, real concerns to be afraid of. We definitely need to use common sense, lots of hand washing, not sneezing into your hand, and having general good hygiene. Uh, Rick Gaywith told me about the time where he went, I think it was uh, one of the, the fairs that he goes to, or he saw some stage hands, but instead of handshaking, they just like do a kind of a wrist bump kind of a thing. So it might be a good idea to avoid handshaking at this time and just taking extra precautions. You know, and social distancing really is not a bad idea, especially if you're at risk and have a weakened immune system. It's great when we can tune into the webcast if we need to. Whether it's nine anxious feeling or a paralyzing phobia, any change, even positive changes like marriage or a promotion can prompt feelings of fear. The Bible offers powerful alternatives to those voices reminding readers repeatedly, don't be afraid. Let's turn now to Psalm 23. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head of oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house of the Lord forever. God is good. God is a good shepherd. He wants to take care of us. He wants the very best for us. He wants, to have, he wants us to have faith and trust in him, as every good father would want of his children. 
I'd like to read a small snippet of a short article I found about Psalm 23, and it's on Bible.org, and the author was Bob Deffenbaugh. Few people fail to appreciate the simplistic beauty and comfort contained in the 23rd Psalm. Many of you know it by heart. If someone... I felt somewhat like a tourist guide standing before you in the shadow of a, of a magnificent mountain peak attempting to describe its beauty, or like a guide in an art museum telling you of the magnificence of a priceless painting which has been universally regarded as a classic work for decades. Perhaps Bernard Anderson has best expressed the value of the 23rd Psalm when he wrote, no single psalm has expressed more powerfully man's prayer of confidence out of the depths to the God whose purpose alone gives meaning to the span of life from womb to tomb. While few in the U.S. understand the life of a shepherd in the ancient Near East, most have been able to grasp the message of comfort and assurance conveyed in the psalm, especially in times of distress, such as the death of a loved one. We instinctively turn to the reassuring words that God is our shepherd, I shall not want. The purpose of this message is to help us more clearly understand the imagery used to convey comfort and calm of the soul to those who are part of God's flock by the faith of Jesus Christ. Turn with me now to Isaiah 41, verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. God wants to have no fear. We step out in faith every day. Whether you realize it or not, you have faith that your faucet will produce water when you turn it on. The water is going to come out. You can't see the air around us, but you're able to breathe. Without it, we would die. These are all examples of faith, things that God has taken care of us with, and we know that he will do that for us. Turn with me now to James 2, verses 18, to further expand upon this. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. We exercise faith every year when we leave to attend the feast. You may have to leave with things being unsettled at your job. You know, it could be a situation where you're leaving now is our busiest time of the year, or you don't have enough vacation time, but yet you still go for the amount of days that you can. Or perhaps you're a teacher, and your coworkers must think you're crazy for taking off time. Just school just started, and you're already leaving to go to a place. You know, we just, we just got back. And you know, as the economy may start to fall apart, we don't know what's going to happen with all of this. A lot of companies might start downsizing. Positions may be eliminated. Uh, it's very easy to let uncertainties turn into fear. Regardless, God promises to take care of us, to have no worries. We need to totally surrender all of our cares and worries to God if we are to experience the peace necessary to be able to let go of our worldly cares and rejoice freely before the Lord. Now let's go to 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 8. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time, 
casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. One of the main things that prevents us from completely surrendering, surrendering all our cares to God is fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Let's go now to Matthew 6, verses 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for neither they sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, takes care of them all. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? So it really doesn't matter how much we worry about it. God's in control. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, he will not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about his own things, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. So we're not to worry about these things. I mean, it's smart to make wise choices and do what we can, but God will direct us and help us. We just need to put our faith into him. Let's go now to uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will let you be tempted. Be, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with a temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. That's very reassuring, that you may be able to endure it. Notice that last phrase, that you may be able to endure it. We don't get off the hook. The trial may not disappear. But through faith in God, he promises that we will endure the trials that we face. Sometimes the trials we face don't seem to make sense at all. But we do remember that God has a different perspective than we do. And it usually makes sense after the fact when we look back. He sees from everlasting to everlasting. And he knows the end from the beginning. Perhaps we have a lesson to learn. Perhaps the lesson is for someone else who's possibly watching what we're going through. Perhaps it is just time and chance, or perhaps it is to prepare us for our work in the kingdom. We simply don't know. But we do know that God says, let's turn now to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is so reassuring. Total faith in God is knowing that ultimately he has our back. He loves us. He wants nothing but the best for us. Strengthening our faith means stepping out into uncharted territories at times as well. Doing things that scare us. Let's go now to Matthew 14 verses 25 through 33. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, and don't be afraid. Lord, if that's you, Peter replied, tell me, come to you, and I'll come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he realized that the wind was there and he was afraid, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out to him. And he said, and he caught him, and he says, you have little faith. He said, why do you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, fear is one of our biggest reasons for not having godly faith. And it's, it's easy to have fear. We just need to ask for God's strength. Are we living in fear? Ask God to strengthen our faith. And to eliminate fear. Turn off the TV if it's causing unnecessary anxiety. Get away from the things that are... Think of the, the high things. Things that will help you have a positive attitude. Pray for peace and protection of your mind and emotions, for that is where the actions are born. It's in our mind. You know, but sometimes God will make us face our fears in order to overcome them. You know, it might be a test. He just wants to see how we will surrender to him and give up our fear. Have you ever noticed you may be unable to avoid something you're afraid of for a while. You're able to avoid something you're afraid of. But sooner or later, you end up facing it squarely in the face again. I personally think God allows us to enter into a situation or a stronghold. Something we need to work on. That, so we'll ultimately choose to turn it over to him. Uh, last minute, I was working on my message. It seems like the inspiration comes to me late Friday night or Saturday morning and Alyssa came to me and said, I got a flat tire. I, my, it's totally flat. And so I could have been all upset, like I'm trying to get my message done, you know, and be all fearful about it. I'm not going to have time to get it finished. But I tried to have a good attitude about it, so I went out and helped her, got her tire changed, and uh, ended up taking about an hour. But I just, I'm glad I had the right perspective on it because, and sometimes, well, even last night when she got the flat tire, I was like, well, what were you doing? How did you get that flat tire? And, did, did you drive on it too far? Did you damage your rim? Kim's like, dial it down. <laughs> She's new at this. She's never had a flat tire before. So I was like, all right, all right, I'm sorry. And then I know I helped her change it, and I was calm about it. and It was good. Everything was fine, and now she's out and about being able to drive her car. So sometimes we blow stuff out of proportion that's really unnecessary. You know, in my house, I have some plaques that have inspirational quotes that I like to look at times and one of them says believe you can and you're halfway there and halfway I mean you cannot get the rest of the way by yourself God's got to help you you can't do it on our own the other one I like just simply says pray which is always a good one to have and the third one that I like the most it just says peace on it and it says it doesn't mean to be in a place where there's noise trouble or hard work it means to be in the midst of all of these things, but still be calm in your heart. You know, God makes it possible through living faith in Him. So we need to just be praying for faith that He, he can help us, because all of these things, it's just noise around us. You know, God ultimately is going to take care of us. He'll watch over us, and ultimately, you know, we'll, we'll be in His kingdom, and that's what matters. Turn it with me now. 
to Hebrews 11, verse 6. And this is talking about faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we need to be seeking after God. One of the rewards is found in John 14, verse 25, when Jesus himself told us, and this is John 14, uh, 27. Peace I leave with you, the peace I give you, not as the world gives you, that I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's no better words for advice to, to give than what Paul was inspired to say in Philippians. And ultimately to us in Philippians 4, verses 6. So in Philippians 4, verses 6, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. In conclusion, I would like to read the lyrics of uh, one of my favorite hymns. It's in the United Hymnal. Uh, it was written by Mark Graham. But I really do like these words. We all know doubts and fears. Life is full of toil and tears. Still we're told, have no cares. God will see us through. See the birds on the wing. See the lilies blossoming. God loves all living things. God will see us through. Age of man shall grow old. Love of many shall wax cold. Ever fast we shall hold. God will see us through. Earth shall grow dark and drear. Jacob's trouble may appear. To the end, through the years, God will see us through. Till Christ comes, we'll endure, living God's way true and pure. Day by day, come what may, God will see us through. Earth may shake, stars may fall, we will stand right through it all. Till the last trumpet call, God will see us through.